Yo, what is up? Welcome to Ambitious. My name is Dylan Price. Today's guest is born in Buffalo, New York, currently resides in Las Vegas, Nevada. At the age of 34, he is hitting his stride in his boxing career on a stretch of what was a huge win for him coming off December 28th. He now heads into the immediate title conversation in the IBF division at well, boxing in the super middleweight division. Ladies and gentlemen, with a 22-5 professional boxing record, please welcome to the show, Lonnie B. Lionel Thompson. Lionel, how is it going? Man, it's going great, man. Thanks for having me. Thank you for coming on. So first things first, you just came off a huge win that immediately thrust you into the IBF super middleweight title conversation. How do you feel? How is everything going following that win? Oh, man, um... I knew I was going to win that fight. Like, you know, I've been there a way tougher guy. He just he just had a name because he was champ and he knocked out um, Andre Durrell. But besides Andre Durrell, who did he beat? You know, he, he got destroyed by Caleb Plant. Even though he was coming on strong, he still got outboxed. And um, he was, he's really a 60-pounder. So I won't worry. But going into the fight, I won't worry about his power. I've been there a way bigger puncher, a way better guy skillfully. So I wasn't worried. I just... I was a little worried about making the weight, but I got a nutritionist, and uh, he did his job. He rehydrated me perfectly, and um, that's that, that was my only fight. And once I and once I beat that, I knew the fight was going to be easy. Now, you win this bout, and it's immediately apparent Caleb Plant is the next one in your sights, likely. Where has that conversation gone? Obviously, he's got a fight coming up in the title defense. He wins that bout. How realistic is it that you are tangling with Caleb? Oh, man, it's very realistic. Um, that fight can be made by the end of this year um, or at the end of the year. Um, I'm ready for whoever. It really don't matter. I just believe I'm the best super middleweight on the planet. Like, um, uh, that's just what I believe. Uh, you know, I'm not really worried about nobody at the weight. And Caleb Flynn is a phenomenal fighter. Yeah, we, me and him, we spar together all the time. He actually gave me the most trouble mm-hmm. in sparring than anybody else in Vegas. You know, but um, sparring and fighting is two different beasts. And um, like I said, I'm ready. And um, whenever they make it happen, whenever they want to make it happen, whoever, I'm ready. So now, heading into 2020, you had a very busy 2019. You fought Scott Sigmund and you fought Jose recently. So, very active back end of 2019. When do you plan to fight next? Will it be, you know, preparing for the potential Caleb fight? Or is there someone next that you want right away? Yeah, um, well, my, I, I trust my team. They, I talked to Linda Ellerby, the CEO of Merida Promotions. He said, uh, we're going to fight Caleb Truex in April or May. So, we... We just looking for, um, we looking for, I'm, I'm just getting ready for Caleb Truex now. And, um, you know, after that, they possibly can be Caleb Plant, but I know I got one more before I, before I, um, get to those top guys that I, I got, I got one more. And I'm, and I, and I plan on, you know, crushing everybody they put in front of me. And... Now you're getting ready for the immediate rise to the title conversation. Who is the guy following Plant? Looking, I know you don't want to look too far ahead, but who is the fight you want maybe at the start of 2021 or at the end of this year or looking ahead past Caleb and potentially even as the champion, who is the guy that you have your sights set on? 
Um, really, I don't have my sights set on nobody. I just want to fight the best guy. Like, whoever, who, like me, I, 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 I got to be motivated. So whoever that people think I can't beat, that's the guy I want. Like, Jose Yusatagi was perfect. Day, but I thought I was going to lose that fight. And those are the fights I get up for. You know, so it has to be somebody that where, where all the cards are stacked against me. It has to be that way. It can't be somebody that, that people believe I can beat. It got to be somebody that you don't believe that they don't think I can beat. Now... Caleb Truex is a veteran, you know, 36 years old, two years older than you, but he's got a couple more bouts than you. Um, how do you feel that having that, those maybe those extra fights is going to prepare him a little more, or you think you're going to kind of cruise through him and be ready for the next bout? Yeah, I mean, you got to realize he's really a 50-pounder. Mm-hmm. He got more bouts than me, but who did he beat? Who did he beat? I mean, I was at the fight when he fought. James Miguel, I wasn't impressed. I mean, he got stopped by Anthony Durrell in one round. I mean, so, like, you know, it's nothing I would be worried about. Like, you know, I'm not, like I said, I don't think these guys are strong enough to hurt me to pose a threat. Like I said, each would be a 60-pounder. You know, so, so um, you know, been knocked out a few times. You know, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not looking past him at all. Like I said, he is a veteran, but um, I just believe I'll be victorious at the end of the day. Now, going back to your roots, you grew up in Buffalo, New York. When did you start boxing and immediately find that it was your passion? Um, as soon as I walked through the gym, I was 16, 234 pounds. My trainer said lose weight. Like, like I said, I got to have a challenge. So that was a challenge for me. I lost the weight. He trained me. As soon as I put on a pair of gloves, I said, this is it. I won't stop until I win a belt. Be the first person from Buffalo to win a world title. Now... You made through, and how were the kind of amateur ranks for you? As obviously, you're a five-time Golden Glove champ. You're a very reputable amateur boxer. But how was the climb for you to being a professional boxer? Oh, it was, I always had a pro style, so so that's why I, like I never made the Olympic team because I had such so much of a pro style. So um, I was always ranked one of the best amateur boxers in the country. I was ranked number two in the country, number five. I was always in the top ten best light heavyweights in the country, you know, but just, you know, um, when I went pro, it was like, it was like easy for me because I always had a pro style, you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Now, you're currently ranked number six in the United States and number 19 in the world. How does that kind of feel for you as somebody growing up from, you know, not a huge town in upstate New York, but I mean, obviously everybody knows Buffalo, but it's not the regular kind of town where champions are bred and obviously you said you'd be the first champion in buffalo how do you feel you know being getting that notoriety and being on that level um it feel good because i always thought i belong there I, I feel like i'm the best kept speaker in boxing i've been at like you as champions that have been in the ring with me they ask me how come you ain't won a belt yet like so i feel like i've been there you know but i'm not satisfied with number six number 19 i'm glad they're giving me some recognition now but i believe i'm number one Mm-hmm. And that's the spot that I'm aiming for. So it was always work to be done. Like, I'm never celebrating until I get the number one spot or until I get a belt, which is going to definitely happen at 68. And you got to realize something, too. I went down in weight at age 34. Most mm-hmm. people go up in weight at that age. I'm going down in weight. I just show you how disciplined I am, how serious I am, how determined I am. I moved down in weight. I've never been 168 in my whole career. I'm, I went down a weight class. And, and, be, and took on one of the best guys in that weight class my first fight there. 
Now, how was that for you adjusting to a new weight class and kind of, especially as you said, at 34, a lot of guys are getting heavier, bulking up and going to the heavier divisions, but you went down. How was that transition? Um, it was tough, but, you know, um, we made some changes, and um, I bit down, and I, I was determined, and I, I, I was determined for the scale to say 168.0, and that's what happened, and I was determined to win. It's, there was no way that I was losing this fight. I mean, the kid, he just can't, Jose Ustagi just can't beat me. Like, like he's a limited guy. He's a, he's very limited. One way to win, you know, to rely on one trick. You know what I mean? If you still watch the fight, he was lost. He couldn't find me. Then it, one round, he ain't throw no punches. Like, I, and people don't, people don't know, I pulled my rotator cuff and I hurt my hand. If that didn't happen, I would have stopped him. Now, you guys, that was a personal fight. In the press conference, it seemed very personal. You know, you guys were going at each other. How do you kind of, is there respect there now that you guys have tangled up? Obviously, it sounds like you kind of walked all over him in your head, and you and you did. You beat him fairly easily. It was a very impressive win. How do you feel on a respect level towards Jose? Um, as I respect anybody getting ready. Listen, mm-hmm. and, and when we were going at it, I still respect him as a fighter. Mm-hmm. Like, I mean, I still respect him, but but the trash talk is just to let him know, you know, you, you, you ain't here with a real guy. This ain't this ain't Andre Durrell. Like, if you think you're about to come in here and hit me with a body shot and I'm going to go down, or you think you're about to come in here and hit me with a combination, it's gonna be you got the wrong guy. Like, like it's just the real thing. Saying. I just wanted him to know that. Like, 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 um, you know, the media was kind of like down to me. Like, oh, like, like, you know, I was a 10 to 1 underdog. And I could tell he was overconfident. And I just wanted to let him know. Don't blink too fast, because I guarantee you, he's going to knock me out and all that stuff. And I'm like, if you stand in front of me, you're the one that's going to get knocked out, I promise you. Like, you see in the first round, I put him down. If I had 30 more seconds, i stop him in the first round if I had at least 30 more seconds. It was a very impressive performance against him. And I think he, on a personal level, I think he was kind of overlooking you and kind of thinking, all right, this is my road to get back to Caleb Plant. This is my road to another title shot, and he and, ran. You know, it's crazy. That's when I was going to beat him. When we had the press, he fighting me. He talking about Caleb. Mm-hmm. So I'm like, your mind is not even focused on me. And that's like, works. it works for my advantage because people look at my record and say I got five losses, but three of those losses were split decisions and they was robberies. And this is public information. You can look this up. Mm-hmm. I got robbed three times. The Edwin Rodriguez fight could have went either way. A lot of people thought I won. If you ask the commentators that was that, the, the 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 table, they and my fighters, me and Jose Ustadi, they're like, we thought you beat Edwin Rodriguez. We 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 thought you beat him. And then with Kovalev, I fought him early in my career, so that was just bad management. But I'm in there with tough tough top guys, and I'm giving these guys all they can handle. And these guys don't want to fight me again. So so people just look at the losses, but people are, are not are not very educated. When and I've been stopped one time in my career by the biggest puncher in the division. And for other big punchers, and ain't come nowhere near close to getting stopped. Especially, you know, I got a chin. I'm durable. I'm tough. I can take it, and I can give it. So, so well, people don't know really know much about boxing. I can tell you, he's looking at my record. If he did his research on me, I guarantee you, he wouldn't have fought me. Mm-hmm. I guarantee you, he wouldn't have fought me. Like I'm beating guys that, like, like boxing. They get a guy in front of you that matches your style, so you can look good, right? I'm fighting guys that don't even match my style. I'm, I'm a boxer. I'm fighting other boxers and really beating them, but they ain't giving it to me. I'm fighting guys 6'5", uh, 72-inch reach, good boxers, and I'm 5'10". Uh, you know what I'm saying? 
saying? Light heavy. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm fighting all, I'm fighting short punches. I'm fighting all kind of guys and beating these guys and giving these guys all they can handle. And they still had to rob me three times. Like, so that should tell you, like, now this kid can fight. Mm-hmm. Like, so uh, with him, I was like, he, he's talking about Caleb, but he ain't even going to get past me. Now, like, I'm, I'm like, I'm glad it's good to be confident, but I'm glad, mm-hmm. I'm glad he focused on Caleb because I guarantee you once I touch him, he's going to sleep. If I didn't pull my rotator cup, I would have knocked him out. And, I, and I'm, I almost had him out cold in the, in the eighth round, too. I had him out cold, but he, he held on real good. And the ref didn't break us in time. Now, he kind of ran right into a brick wall on his path to try to get back to that title conversation. Now he's in limbo and probably won't be in a title fight for a little while. Um, one thing to know, I was watching a couple of your fights in preparation for this, and I watched the Rodriguez fight and some tapes from it, and I didn't look at the decision first and look at, um, who you lost to and what, and I got ready for the ref decision, and it was very apparent that, in my eyes, you won the fight, and they called it a loss, so that one I completely agree with you on. And you know what's crazy? I know you're not lying, because I had a ton of people come to me like, they robbed you, they robbed people I don't even know when I was walking out the arena. They robbed you, they robbed you, they robbed you, they robbed you, you beat him, you beat him, you beat him. Like, uh, if it was 100 people, 90 said I won and 10 said I lost. Like, so, so I know you're not lying. Even Steve Fargo was like, I thought you beat him, Rodriguez. Like, I thought you won. I mm-hmm. thought you beat him. I thought you outboxed him easy. Mm-hmm. Like, like, you know what I'm saying? Like, he couldn't hit you. Like, so, so, like, I'm like, I'm like, man, these guys, I'm like, and then again, and then it comes down to weight class and fight somebody like Jose Usatagi, who's a one-trick pony, very easy to hit. You know, got some decent punching power, but it's like people for people to have me a pin them one underdog, it's like, wow, shame on you. Like, I need to do your research. Now, Caleb Truix, you've touched on already, is your next fight. Where do you feel is his biggest weakness already that you're going to be able to exploit? Um, my size, I'm just going to take it straight to him. I'm not, I'm not going to really, like, he's, like, he's really a 60-pounder, so you can never sleep on nobody, but I'm not really worried about his punching power. I just don't see him, like, I think Jose Usatagi is a more dangerous opponent than he is. Like, you know, you know what I mean? Jose Usatagi was a young champion. He just lost it, but it ain't like he was an over-the-hill champion. He was a young champion who just lost it. So this guy is 36 years old. Like, he's been stopped a few times. Like, like you know what I mean? I, I'm just, I, I feel like it won't go past five. I, I, I can get him out in a four or five. Like, maybe the first round, but... I catch him right. I'm able to catch him right. Like, you know what I mean? I'm giving him the benefit of the belt because, you know, he was an ex-champion. But he lost his belt the next fight. Like, so, so it was like I've I seen him in person. I, I, I know what he can do. And um, I'm just not worried. I'm, I'm not. I just think I, I, I just think I'm going to stop him quick. Now, you've been boxing a while, and you're 34. How long do you plan to go with boxing and obviously the title is in your future and is a plan for you, but how far do you, how long do you want to continue fighting till? Um, I got about five years left in me. Mind you, I'm a young 34. I went down in weight at 34. Show me another fighter who did that and was successful at it at 34 years old. Look at Bernard Hopkins. Bernard Hopkins moved up. Roy Jones moved up. Like, uh, a guy who's moving up. Even if you look at somebody like Peyton, Davis, he's young and moving up. So, one fight you touched on a little bit, and it's another one of the fights I watched in uh, preparation for this interview, was the Sergey Kovalev fight. Um, 
Obviously, you know, he's coming off a loss with Canelo. How now, if you were to drop or, or if you were to go down and fight him or you guys were at the same weight class, how do you think you would fare against him now as the more experienced now versus seven years longer in your career now versus when you fought him in 2012? Um, I, I guarantee this, I wouldn't get stopped. But Kovalev is a tough fight anytime. You know, he's, he's a team. He can fight. He's a tough fight anytime. But I, I wouldn't get stopped. But um, I believe I would be successful. Like, you know, um, I believe I would be successful. But that's even narrow there because I'll never fight him again. I'm a 68-pounder. And I'm like, heavyweights are just too big. Like, I can box. But once they start getting aggressive and leaning on you and, oh, and they just, I'm just too small for that weight class. Mm-hmm. Now, I want to, I guess, play a little bit of a game, but I want to name a few fighters and just in, you know, as little words as possible, just say your opinion on them, maybe their fighting style, respect level for them, or maybe future opponent, or just kind of going to go down a list of a few fighters. Does that sound good? Yeah, great. All right, starting with champ Caleb Smith. Callum Smith? Yeah, Callum Smith, sorry. Very, very good opponent, strong. I don't know how he makes it but I think I know, but I don't. But um, I respect him. He's a fighter, very strong, very got skills, very good counter puncher. Would be a would, would be a tough fight, but I believe I can beat him too. Daniel Jacobs. Oh man, good, 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 good fighter, good fighter. Been in there, gave um, Triple G a good fight. Um, good speed, good punching power, big heart, tough fight. Um, name I'm gonna butcher, but you probably know better than I do. Fedor Chudinov. Um, decent guy, decent. Mm-hmm. I'm not really sold, but you know, decent, strong in my opinion. Mm-hmm. Um, a rising fighter could potentially be fighting K- or Canelo Alvarez at some point, but Billy Joe Saunders. Oh, good, good, good. He's the most talented one. Like skills, slick. Like, not a big puncher, but he's so sharp and he's so slick that he's a puncher. Like, he hits you a shot, you don't see coming. Very, very, very good fighter. So I got two more for you. Rocky Fielding. Um, I'm, I'm not, oh, Roger, um, the one that Canelo stopped? Mm-hmm. Yes. Um, decent guy. I'm really not decent. Decent guy. Uh, next one is John Ryder, the guy a lot of people thought beat Callum, or Callum Smith. And looking back at a few previous fights, um, before we kind of close off this part of the interview, who of those fights, one guy you immediately, manager calls you, the guy you want next, if any of your guys you've already fought would want a rematch? Any, any, any one of them. Mm-hmm. Any one of them, like, um, any one of them. I would probably go for John Ryder, because he's like the tough young bull. Like, and I... I I like to be the first one to beat, beat them, got some dumb kind of guys down. Like I like to break. I, I call it breaking their virginity. They gonna always remember me. Now, Lionel, um, part of 
where I wanted to get into Billy Joe Saunders is he made his United States debut on the undercard along with Devin Haney of a YouTuber boxing match. I covered a little bit of that match, the YouTuber boxing match, on this podcast a few episodes ago, probably like four or five episodes ago. What is your opinion on these celebrities, YouTubers, you know, Antonio Brown now is getting into it. These celebrities, YouTubers saying that they want to throw these boxing events and see if they can hang. My thing is disgrace to boxing. Like, stay in y'all lane. Let us stay in ours. This ain't no game. This is real life for us. And they taking, and they taking the money. Like, that's what makes boxing a joke. Like, let the fighters fight, and you stick to what you're doing, because this ain't no game. This ain't, this ain't nothing to play with. Like, y'all, y'all think this a game to make some little extra money. But this is, like, 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 we doing this for legacy and for greatness, the real fighters. It's just an insult to the sport. Now, do you believe that it has any benefit in terms of bringing a new audience or is it more of just you think this is truly just a publicity stunt on their ends and that they if they went head to head with just about any pro fighter that they would get knocked out well, yeah well here's the thing people tell me about bringing new fans how is it bringing new fans mm-hmm. they just come and support their guys for that night that's all they doing like it's bringing new fans to boxing no it ain't because it, it ain't like those fans buy tickets to see other people they only buying tickets to see their guy fight for that night that's it. And one thing, I I was on the fence in my support of the fight. You know, I, I watched it and did see it, and now there's another one coming. I may tune into that one, may not. But one thing that I, DeZone and Eddie Hearn and a lot of them were preaching about it, and this last thing I'll say about these celebrity fights and everything, but they said that, um, yes, as you said, bringing a new audience in, but one thing that they did note is Devin Haney, Billy Joe Saunders, a lot of the other guys on that undercard didn't get much of new growth, especially on the social media platform where they probably expected to get some significant growth. DAZN didn't get crazy great numbers. So what possesses them to continue doing that, in my opinion? Even though, yes, it draws media eyes and it can be entertaining, but it's taking opportunity away from guys who have spent their whole lives working for this. All right, and it's just unfair. Now, Antonio Brown, you one on one. You think you could easily take him? First round knockout? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, Lionel, outside of boxing, what is your favorite hobby endeavor to do? Um, I like to run. We don't have, I like to run. I like to walk. I like to listen to R&B music. I like to watch movies. I don't really do much. I sit in the house all day, train, come home, chill. Because I'm 35 years old. I'm I'm young in the boxing ring, but at life, I got old fast. I don't really like to do much. I don't really, I don't really like to be around a lot of people. I like to just be in my own little zone and chilling out and getting better as far as my career goes and, you know, stuff like that. I like to use my time wisely. The time you can't, you can't get time back. Now, what... You decide to retire, say, they're 940, wherever you call it quits, you said five years or so. What is after that for Lionel? You just ride into the sunset and enjoy retirement, or is there anything else you would pretty like much, to accomplish? Pretty much, and, 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 and be a motivational speaker for young kids that grew up mm-hmm. in the ghetto like me. But that, that's pretty much it. Ride off in the sunset and just chill. And then you mu- very much earn that. I do want to talk about you switch promotions fairly recently. 
Um, can you kind of get into that as much as you can? No, I'm still with Floyd. Oh, okay. I may have seen a false headline then that you had switched promotions. Yeah, somebody put that out there and that wasn't true. So, how has... I did want to touch on that, but then I saw the headline, so I didn't know how to get into that or not, if it was fake or anything, so I wanted to ask you that um, on the record. But how has working with T-Money and working with Floyd and everything like that really changed your career in a sense? Or has it been just... Um, a mutual beneficial par- partnership, or can you get into that a little bit? Your relationship with the team. Yeah, I mean it's been good. Like I said, they about to give me a title shot. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm about to fight Kale Truex. They got me to fight with Jose Uchitagi. Mm-hmm. You know, I made the weight. You know what I mean? And they, I, they said I make the weight. They did their part, and you know, I made the weight, and they're and they're doing their part. So I ain't got no complaints. I just can't wait to win the world title. And I'm just sitting back waiting to get the call and relaxing. And, you know, everything is great. Floyd is great, great guy. You know, a friend of mine, now a friend of mine, you know. Anything I need, a phone call away. So, you know, everything is great. It's great working with TMT. And as a buddy of Floyd, what is your opinion on him coming out of retirement? Um, I don't know if that's true, but I don't have one. Oh, you didn't... Or you don't know if it's true or not yet? Yeah, I mean, that's how my spooky said he ain't coming out of retirement. So. A couple, I don't know how official it is with the media, but he posted the thing on Instagram and it set things off, and then apparently there was a report he was working with Dana White to potentially lock down something for this year to fight either Pacquiao or fight a uh, UFC fighter. Oh, I don't know. I'm about that. <laughs> so, what is kind of getting into some deeper conversations before we close out. What is the ultimate legacy Lionel Thompson wants to leave when it's all said and done with career, life, everything as a whole? That he was great, and he took on he took on everybody. Just pick and choose. He wasn't protected. I was, I, I, like, um, honorable. Like, I was, when I, my career is done, I want to be known as honorable in the sport, in the ring and outside the ring. You know, I fought everybody they put in front of me. Now, once I turned down the opponent, and once I complained, I fought the best they had out there, and I won some, and some didn't go my way, unfair, unfairly. But I don't remember as somebody that took on everybody and that did it the hard way and still made it. Now, you said growing up in the ghetto or growing up into not the best situation. How do you feel that has mentally prepared you for this sport and makes you tougher than just about anybody else you get in the ring with? What you said, what? How do you feel that your background has prepared you for the sport that you love, the sport you choose, boxing, where you need a ton of mental toughness? Oh, yeah, man, that, I feel all the time, man. Adversity builds you, see what you're made of. Like, if I could change my life, I wouldn't change it because without those... Without those um, that tough upbringing, I wouldn't be able to do what I do. You know what I mean? So it definitely prepared me for for you know for this. Like you know, so that's why I'm so mentally tough. Like there's nothing nobody can say to me that that can get in my head. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I know what I can do. Now you have only been stopped once in your career by Sergey Sergey Kovalev, and. That's it. That's the only time anybody's knocked you down. How do you feel in your head that that 
is no matter what happens the rest of your career, win a title, not to get to this point in your career with twenty seven pro fights and and that being an overarching theme is you've only been stopped once in your career. How is that for you as an accomplishment? Um, I don't really think about it much because I never thought I would get stopped, period. Mm-hmm. Like, if you told me, you know, I went pro, I'm going to get stopped one day, I would laugh at you like you got the wrong guy. But so, it's the fact that I got stopped. It haunts me every day, and I just train super hard to make sure that it never happens again. Mm-hmm. Now, it's an accomplishment. I don't look at it as an accomplishment because it happened. Mm-hmm. And in my mind, it was never supposed to happen. I just focus on it. Now, that's what you can ask me when I retire, when I'm done. <laughs> <laughs> well, we'll have to catch back up in a couple of years when you retire, and both of our lives have changed a little more. <laughs> now, one last big question for you before we start closing out is um, you've had a lot of circumstances in your career where fights have fallen through, injuries, yeah. opponents failing to make weight or anything like that. How do you feel that that has strengthened you and made you really – the best fighter you can be by overcoming that much adversity and even in a general sense in your life where you as you said the background you grew up in overcoming adversity seems to be a common trend for you in your life um well i god i give all i, I give all glory and thanks to my lord and savior jesus christ because without him i wouldn't be able to do it because like you said this stuff get hard man mm-hmm. fights falling through not having enough money not getting paid fight for short money fight for no money um people like throwing you to the wolves getting robbed, like, without my Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, I wouldn't have been able to do it, so I get all glory and all thanks to him, because, you know, without him, without me having faith, you know, none of this is possible, so, so that's how I stay, that's how I get through, that's how I've been getting through, that's how I got through all this tiny fight, that's how I made, well, everything I do in my life is based on faith, like, cause for me, nothing is guaranteed, so it's just based on faith, I'm gonna work hard and be arresting God, now, thank you so much for taking the time to come on. Obviously, um, a lot of bright things ahead in the future for you. You've made a fan out of me um, in this whole process. I appreciate and that. I'm very excited to see what you do next. And you truly are one of the best-kept secrets in boxing, and I can't wait to see you continue to grow and, after the Caleb Truex fight, win a title and continue to build a legacy for the future. And I'm very excited to see a Lionel. And I thank you very much for taking the time to come on this show today. No, man, listen, I appreciate that, man. That means, that means more than you know, and I appreciate you for having me. So I do want to give you the opportunity before we close out to plug your social medias, plug whatever you want, or just have a general message to leave this episode off on. Yes, Ma. You, you can follow me on Instagram at Lonnie B. The Great. You can follow me on Snapchat at Lonnie B. 168. You can follow me on Facebook at Lionel Lonnie B. Thompson. And my word for the day is work hard and have faith. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you very much, Lionel, for taking the time to come on, and best of luck to you in the future. I know you're going to be very successful. Thank you, King. I appreciate you. Once again, I want to thank Lionel Thompson for taking the time to come on Ambitious with a lot of fun, sit down with him, learn about his boxing career. That is going wildly well. Um, He's got a upcoming match now as you hear in this interview against Caleb Trox this spring best of luck to him in that and best of luck to his chase for Caleb Plant and the super middleweight championship with that said tune in next week for another phenomenal episode 
and check back here for more episodes progressively throughout this year. We are nearing our one year anniversary, which is pretty big. Some special episodes coming up in honor of that, um, interviews dedicated to that, and a lot of other cool stuff. Um, check us out on Instagram at Ambitious Podcast, Twitter at Ambitious with DP. Obviously, check us out wherever you listen to podcasts. We have merch now. Check us out on Instagram. Merch is nearly sold out. You can DM me for orders and see if we have it. If not, you'll have to wait till the next round of merch shipments and merch orders and whatever else. With that said, I hope you have a wonderful week, Ambitious listeners. And once again, check back here next week for another episode.